First time I've done a video podcast in a really long time. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Jim Benton is here. Jim, thank you for taking time out of your pandemic for this interview. It is always a pleasure to interrupt my global disturbance for you. Um, and we have a very specific thing we're going to talk about. There's going to be probably a lot of digressions because we were just getting ready for this and kind of went down a bunch of rabbit holes. But the main thing we want to talk about is the certification. So, um you're probably familiar with Jim. I'm hoping if you're watching this, you're familiar with Jim already from all the stuff he does with Modus Cooperandi around personal Kanban, um, the books, the lean coffee. What else should we throw in here? Um, the general goodwill towards mankind. <laughs> okay, goodwill towards mankind. And now, finally, there's a certification program around... Uh, I, I don't want to just say Conrad because I feel like that would be limiting it a little bit. Yeah, it's it's more um, uh, systems thinking for knowledge workers. So okay. applying lean and agile to how we work, how we work together, how we collaborate, how we build things in every industry, not just in software, uh, but in you know, architecture or construction or healthcare or government or, or what have you. Okay. So before we go into it too, too deep, can you, if there's people out there that have like this vague, you say systems thinking, they're like, yeah, it's thinking about systems. Um, <laughs> could you explain what it actually is? Yeah. Yes, I can. So the, the, the course that we've set up, the, um, the certification and the accreditation are set up in, in four phases to teach people systems thinking across the board. Okay. And systems thinking in a nutshell is seeing the systems behind the individuals and interactions, the processes and tools, all of those things that are in the Agile Manifesto. Okay. Uh, every single one of those has one or more systems behind it. And where we run into problems is when we think that we can just take a couple of simple rules right. and say, okay, now that we've applied these simple rules, everything's going to be fine. Yet there's always stuff you discover along the way. There's always politics and intrigue. There's all these things. And all of those things are systemic. Okay. And what we don't tend to do in Agile or in Lean or in life in general is say, you know, could I have created a system to avoid the problems I'm having right now? And that's what we're that's what we're looking into. So the thing I was thinking about the other day was I had this crick in my neck and I started trying to like adjust myself to that and then my arm starts to hurt and then I adjust to that and then I get this thing in my leg. And that's like the whole everything's connected to everything else. And when one thing has an issue, everything has to react accordingly and it kind of cascades. Mm -hmm. And so you're and talking about building a harness to like protect against that. Well, yes, but that's still kind of a linear system. So okay. let's say that your, your neck hurts. And so you need to cancel one of your interviews. And that interview causes somebody to say, oh man, I can't count on Dave Pryor anymore. And then they tell somebody Shame else. Shame on them. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so what, what tends to happen is we have simple things like you could sleep better yeah. impacting all sorts of oblique items, you know, all, all, all sorts of oblique experiences. And okay. uh, th this, is, this is perhaps a too heady way of looking at it. Okay. <laughs> but an easier way of looking at this might be 
that uh, almost every software development team I've ever met interacts with another software development team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there tends to be in most companies more than one group of people doing doing work and they have to interact. Yeah. Yet they will, what group A will get their sprint goals, group B will get their sprint goals. A bunch of work from group A involves group B, but they never told them. A okay. bunch of work in group B involves group A and they never told them. And then in the middle of the sprint, they'll start contacting each other unexpectedly and annoying each other. Right. <laughs> when, when this is all work that is actually shared by the company and our problem is just that we've created these little pizza teams. Okay. And the company is actually a feast and we're not paying attention to the whole table of food. But you're not expecting like the QA person from team A I mean, maybe you are to, for the QA person from team A to be looking at their work through the lens of, but how does this affect the entire organization? Yeah, I am. You are. <laughs> so that, okay. So that demands a level of engagement that is beyond what most people I would say are doing at work when they go to work now. Well, and they're paying, paying the price for their limited availability for information they need to get their jobs done. Okay. So we can think of this as more work. Or we can think of this as we have a ton of problems right now and we're not dealing with those problems and then we're getting more problems. And sort then it's like our current says, health situation in this country. Yeah. 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 So the, the problem with Obamacare was never Obamacare. The problem with Obamacare was that the United States can't engage in continuous improvement. Obamacare was better than what came before, and right. it had a lot of problems. The, the goal for it was like, it wasn't to kill it off. It was to say, okay, well, I've got some problems. Let's fix them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and which problem are you trying to fix? Like I always try to, I mean, I've been trying to explain to people now in classes that, I mean, Frederick Taylor, God bless him. He fixed a problem that we had, and we never would have made it through World War II without him, but we don't have that problem anymore. We have a different problem mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. um, and we need to figure out how to solve the one we have now. Yeah, or the or the or the ones that emerge for individual teams. Okay. So um, uh, I was working with a group, and that th was a group of product managers. Okay. Um, product owners, if you will, and um, they were at each other's throats, and they had that one complaint. Whenever I need something from somebody else, they just they won't do it. Right. And they couldn't seem to get that they all had the same complaint. Therefore, none of them owned that problem. It was a shared issue. So we got together and we put, made a big, big chart on the wall and gave everybody post-it notes and said, okay, for the work that's on your plate right now, how much of it are you doing alone? What do you share between you and what teams? Okay. And what they found was that there was a lot of shared work, but there was a, tremendous amount of shared work with one group and that was their database group so okay. everybody was pinging kind of this antiquated database that was you know sparking and you know leaking <laughs> and coming apart peeling off the side of it and and so if you imagine there were there was like maybe a hundred post-it notes on this graph but almost all of them were clustered around the intersections with the database group okay so I told them, I said, okay, right now, you all 
want stuff from the database group. And they're like, yeah, they need to, they need to get rid of these tickets. I was like, no, <laughs> you all now work for the database group. So explain that part. Because that part, the, the database group had become the bottleneck. Okay. Okay. And the way that you get through a bottleneck is you exploit it, which means you give it the most attention possible. Okay. Process the work that is there and then examine why that work bottled up there. Okay. And find solutions for that bottleneck. And so what they were doing was what every other team does to their testers. They have like, you know, 11 developers and one tester. They throw all the work on the tester and right. say, why can't you test faster? Yeah. But if you say to them, you guys, you know, you people, you should, you should help test. And they're like, oh, me? Yeah. Sully, these hands yeah. <laughs> with the muck of testing? Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's because you're a professional. <laughs> well, it's because you want to get the thing done. We all, yeah. I mean, but I think that is, is where we all tend to be, a lot of us tend to be kind of selfish in that view and that we think about our thing and what we have to do. And we expect other people to work as well as we do. Yeah. And sometimes they have incentives or constraints or other problems that make that impossible, but that's their problem. Yeah. Or what we don't see is they do work as well as us and we're, we're pissing somebody else off. Yeah. Which is their fault, of course, because they're asking us to do unreasonable things. <laughs> All right. So, so, so here's the thing is that, is that lean and agile often try and build this out by doing things things right and not by finding out what people need okay so what do the people on your team need in order to be pro good professionals to learn to get things done what do your customers need what do what do you and your customers need for faster feedback loops to make sure that you get stuff out right the first time yeah how do you have better conversations up front so that you identify up front what the best thing is to deliver and then as you go along and you learn, do you then surprise the customer? Like, I can't wait for you to see what I've learned, yeah. which works exactly 0% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> or do you involve them in one way or another in your journey of learning how to provide them with value? I think I, I got kind of stuck on the very first thing you said was, what is your team? You said, what does your team need? I think, mm -hmm. right? And I and because it was still rattling around in my head, I'm I'm thinking about that problem that had to be solved before was how do we get farmers and teach them how to build battleships really fast because we need battleships so we can win a war. Mm -hmm. Screw what they need. That doesn't that's totally irrelevant mm -hmm. because it's survival and we need speed. And now we have people that are doing knowledge work. And in order to get the most out the most value out of those machines, those machines need different things. Yes. Uh, so individuals work in teams to provide value. Okay. Now, and do they, did they know what they need? Do you think Do those teams, uh, do all the different groups you talked about, do they have awareness of what their yep. needs are? Uh, so, you know, anyone who has done product development knows that a customer comes and asks for one thing and needs another. Yeah. Because our understanding of our situations and of what's possible is always simultaneously emergent and multi multivariant. So there's okay. a lot of different ways to solve a problem. There's a way that I know about and I'll fixate on. 
uh, but that might not be the, the best solution. And right. so you get to the misinterpreted Steve Jobs quote about, you know, the customers really don't know what they really need. The customers do know what they really need. They just don't know how to get there and they don't know how to articulate those needs. And the okay. best way to piss them off is to go listen to their original request, build what you on your high horse think they need, and then go give it to them. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, dude, what is this? This is, this is not what I asked for. Right. And, you know, we always talk about that people wanted a faster horse. When the automobile was first, first brought out, it was illegal in some places because it scared people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there were there were crazy rules. Like if you approached a herd of, uh, some horses, you had to pull over and disassemble your car. <laughs> so so it's not like people saw the Model <laughs> A and were like, "Oh, that no, that's the thing." Yeah. They were like, "I'm I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but know, but there, the, but that and I mean the, the iPod I think maybe is an example too. There's a there's a need that's not articulated well because people don't understand what it is, or there's solutions available that they don't know are available. Well, uh, or the, the the real thing is that um, so we we get stuck in kind of a software paradigm and think that it is kind of special. Okay. Uh, for the last several years, I've been working in New York, building hospitals and skyscrapers and other large projects with Turner Construction. Good. I'm excited. You, I've, I've been wanting to ask you to talk about this for like a year and a half. So before you do, he uses right. Agile to make buildings. Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, using Agile and Lean to make buildings. So everywhere I go, I try and get the lean zealots to be more agile and the agile zealots to be more to be more lean. And thankfully in construction, there weren't any. There were just people going, help me. <laughs> and um, the, here's the thing is that if you're building a $1.6 billion skyscraper in New York and you think that you're going to get from breaking ground to occupancy without a change order, you're completely insane. Yeah. Yet when you break ground, all or mostly all of the purchasing has been done for the building, all of the structural steel, the concrete, all the way down to the toilet paper holders. So you've already kind of made your investment. Right. And you know, everyone knows, the owners know, everyone knows that there's going to be changes. Evolutionary design, even in something physical that has had hundreds of years of experience about how to do it, right. that's still evolutionary. So in software development or in knowledge work, we're like nearly chaotically evolutionary in comparison. Right. So every time we touch something, we're at least mildly surprised. Okay. Yeah. So... The, our goal is to build a system that can provide us with predictable work and anticipates that level of change. Okay. Uh, so the way that we tried to do it in the 90s was dividing things up into two-week iterations. 
Right. And that was a godsend because it was so much better than what came before. Yeah. The Just like you were talking about, that was solving a problem from the 80s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. We have different problems now. Uh, so now the problem is we have real-time release. We have, we have all of these things that make that two-week iteration cycle seem ridiculous. Seem, seem well, you know, at least make it seem like a tool that we can use in a specific instance and not in all instances. Okay. Um, so there are some teams that are very well suited for that type of sluggish iteration. Uh, there are other teams that need things that are a little bit more dynamic and, right. and we've all seen them, you know, so, you know, trying to apply, I, I've, I had one group in a company I was working with that was in sales and the agile people showed up and they said, okay, well now you have to do all your sales in two week iterations. And they're like, the, the what? what? But yeah, but they're, <laughs> but they're not, they're applying the structure without understanding why. Cause I'm assuming like for organizations that can release, you know, multiple times a day, a two week sprint seems like a butter churn. Mm-hmm. Well, and it also seems like the wrong cadence for feedback. Yeah. So, you know, you're on a system now that's giving you feedback every four hours, we'll say, and then you've got these weird long planning sessions that, that, that don't jibe with that, that rate of, that rate of uh, output. But the, the bigger thing is that every two weeks, then you're locking yourself into a certain worldview of what you're building. Right. Rather than letting that evolution happen in real time. But the, just kind of to, to pull back to this, to, to what systems. we're talking about with systems thinking is yeah. that the individual professionals on the team, in this case, it's going to be like the capital T team. So not just the developers, okay, but the developers and the testers and the PM and the EM and the PX and the, uh, the PO and all of the other letters that we could attach to people and the other teams that interact with your team right have a clue as to what is going on in the company and why they have greater clarity they can act with confidence their okay. quality goes up their the likelihood that they will raise their hands and say i started this i thought it was going to be easy it ended up being complex i need to pair on it swarm on it something yeah that goes up because you're not worried about the deadline. Okay. You're worried about the completion of the, of the value and understanding as a professional that you have the ability to constantly be learning and improving. Right. And that it's not extra work. It's just part of what you're doing. That's money. So, so we, you know, we were talking about music when we started out. Yeah. And, um, uh, Every day, Herbie Hancock practices keyboards. He He's Herbie Hancock. Yeah, but he doesn't get to be Herbie Hancock if he doesn't put in the time. Right. And there are a lot of software developers that I've met who feel like they already put in the time and they oh don't need to learn anymore and that learning is extra work. Well, they can play that one song over and over again until people That's get tired. Exactly right. The, the the song is called the song is called uh, "Oh My Oh My Technical Debt," <laughs> <laughs> or "How Do I Get Hired Now?" 
Exactly. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, so, so those are the those are the things that that we're looking at. Is we're looking at the human beings in the system, and okay. how do we get those professionals to be the best professionals they can be? Right. Such that quality and understanding are things that they will not only expect but demand from the system. And okay. if the system doesn't provide it, they will work to make sure that it does. Okay. So I want to ask you some questions about this now. Yep. So it seems to me like. For somebody who's on a team, like the QA person we were talking about, this is a call to action for them to expect and demand more uh, information or, or awareness or knowledge of the forest, not just the tree that they're worried about right now. Yep. And for management, we're expecting them to expose the forest to everybody who wants to look at it, correct? Mm -hmm. And so this whole structure has to be in place. The thing that was I kept thinking when you were talking about it was, so I now expect that that QA person to make choices on this sort of completely holistic view of the company and the company strategy. Like they make their choices based on the big picture that we're trying to get mm -hmm. to because they should see all that stuff. Now, if I have that senior level person, they're kind of looking at everything, seeing the same stuff, but from opposite sides, maybe. From but if the executive says to the QA person, why don't you do it this way? That's micromanagement. So my, so in engineering, so right. my background is in civil engineering and uh, urban planning. We had two types of um, projects. We had basically a project where we would create the plans and then hand the plans over to the agency and then they would go off and, and build it. Right. Then we had other projects that were design build projects where we as the engineers would partner with a construction company and we would build the project as we designed it. Okay. Uh, and so that way that as you went along, you learned, you ended up finishing faster because there was gonna be less you know, discoveries in the field that had to then go back and have a change order and a new, a new project. So introducing that into software went something like this. Um, we had a project, we had a, a customer that made a specific type of traffic control software. Mm -hmm. And um, that software, while it had, you know, had some look and feel updates or, you know, some new buttons had remained, uh, you know, pretty much unchanged since the fifties. Okay. Same signal algorithms, the same pedestrian activation systems, the whole the whole bit. And if Seattle bought one of these ATMS systems, and Bellevue bought one of these ATMS systems, and you know you know the, the suburbs around Seattle all bought them, they would essentially have little walled gardens, mm -hmm. little silos, just like any other software team. Yeah. Where there would be action here and action here. And if there was a mismatch, the ah, people who paid the price were like the ones yeah, that yeah. were just trying to get from A to B. Right. So we said to them, wouldn't it be better if you had interoperability between these ATMSs that they were strongly mapping based, that we updated these algorithms, blah, 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 blah. And they said, yeah. So they said, they said, okay, you know, okay, asshole, go build it. Yeah. <laughs> and so when they said that, they said, give us a spec. And we said, we can't give you a spec because we don't, know. we don't know. None of this stuff has been done before. We're gonna be using 
So at that point we were using like alpha versions of ESRI software. We were using alpha versions of Microsoft stuff. And we were building with a very small team enterprise scale software. Right. So what we told the told our customers were was we want you to come to our stand-up meetings every day. Get on Skype, come to our stand-up meetings. Uh, you will make every decision with us. And you will see what our journey is to getting from concept to completion. Yeah. They hated the idea because they thought that our developers were going to be bugging them all the time. My developers hated the idea because they thought that they would be yeah, micromanaging. Ex that's exactly where I was trying to go with this. Yes. That didn't happen because they're not developers and managers. They're human freaking beings. <laughs> and we don't and get up with the intention of screwing up other people's days. Exactly. Exactly. Now, of course, you run into personalities that do personality things. Yeah. Uh, and, and that happens everywhere. And it doesn't really matter what the structure is that you set up. Griefers will grief. Right. <laughs> you know, regardless of, of what game you're playing. But in this case, they, they had. So we were doing 10 minute releases of enterprise scale software in 2006. 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. Okay. We're doing 10 minute check-ins. So I just, I just want to let that sit for like a couple seconds for all the people who can't release inside a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how did we do that? We did that by making sure that everyone had contact with everyone else through Skype. Okay. That we always worked in small batches. That we had a strong architecture. We actually planned the architecture. And then when we made decisions, we asked questions like, how will this impact the architecture? Okay. So you can let that soak in too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then what happened was all of the people in Southern California and Colorado for our clients, everyone on their desk had, uh, you know, a, a client for the build environment. Mm-hmm. So if Alan or Riley or Liu or somebody would check something in and it would break the build, you know, they get that, remember the old breaking glass sound? Yeah. And every, like across the country or around the world, people knew, you know, Alan broke the build. The shame. And after a couple of weeks, it just, it became fun. People were like, ha ha, Alan broke the build. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, they, and they just gained like this crazy rapport that okay. you will never get with bi-weekly demos. Because they're struggling to solve the problems together. They're struggling to solve the problems together. Okay. So Alan, you know, say Alan and Riley are working on some weird visualization problem in the GIS, and they need to ask a couple of other guys back in Colorado. Yeah. They just turned to Skype and did a text, text chat. Said, what do you guys think? And they're like, oh, this. And then they were done. So how Meeting. much of this problem is is just that people think that everybody else is the asshole uh everyone else well everyone else is the asshole including you <laughs> but, but i mean we assume that like i mean i'm trying to like think about it outside the software you're talking about construction there's going to be change yeah there's going to be change and we could just say yeah it, stuff's going to go wrong but it's it stuff went wrong because that guy his team sucks or his team made yep. a bad choice. Like we've always got to have a villain. Yeah. So, so 
you know, uh, not to get too political, but we've seen where that's gotten us over the last four years. Uh, it's, it's time for us all to like grow up and start working together again. Okay. Uh, the, um, the, the reason that people become villainized is because they leave the field of vision. Right. And while they're gone, you don't know you what, know what they're, they're doing. doing. Yeah. And you're working away, and all you know is you don't have the thing you want next, so you think that they're out drinking. Which they might be. <laughs> but maybe they really needed to Which go they drinking. they might be. But, but, it, but it's not likely. Um, so one of the other uh, experiences that we had, I know that people have probably heard me, people are familiar with me have heard me tell the story before, but we had a group that we were working with and they were doing some pretty complex work and it was in three different delivery silos where okay. things flew from silo A to B to C. A was in New York, B was in Los Angeles and C was in Chennai. And then New York people and the Los Angeles people really hated each other, but they could really agree that the people in Chennai were just completely awful. <laughs> and when we right. first got them all together in Los Angeles to have a big group meeting, there was about 36 of them. We, got, we were in an amphitheater and one group sat here and one group sat here and one group sat back here. Yeah, and then there were two guys everybody hated that sat in like the fourth corner. And there was like a DMZ between the groups. They're distributed even in one place. Yeah. <laughs> and and we um, they would not work together. And the reason they wouldn't work together is because the only communication they had with each other was failure states. If wow. group two had a problem with the group of group one, they would have to call up and say, you guys broke this or it isn't right. And they would get those calls constantly. And yeah. group one was already overburdened. So like those guys are jerks. Right. <laughs> and then... And then it got even worse because they would be a jerk within a couple of weeks, but the people in Chennai were jerks like two months later. So they'd okay. totally forgotten about that work. And now they're, those people are asking questions. And this was way back in the early days. So there wasn't any, there was no lean kit, no any kind of online Kanban. So we built for them back in New York, a massive Kanban on the wall. Okay that use these big 11 by 17 sheets of paper. And then if anybody in the other offices needed to move one, they'd have to call up on Skype and say, can you move, move, can you move, yeah. my, move my card? But what it showed everyone immediately was that the rate of completion for the group far outweighed the failure states. Okay. So that real-time feedback to ingest was nearly instantaneous. You just had to look at the video feed of the board. So that's the visual. That's the value of the visualization. That's the value work. of the visualization. Okay. So when we're talking about these people needing like to do all of this stuff, they really don't have. They really have to do a lot less. Okay. Because they they get the news bite of what they need to know, right? Which is actionable, right? If there's nuance in there, they can go deep on it. But by and large, it's just that thin slice. It's all they need to see. And okay. then they see, you know, we've got 200,000 green things on the ticket. And we have, that's not red enough. We have one red thing. Okay. 
And now that one red thing isn't the, oh God, it's again, it's actually an exception to the rule. Yeah, it's not the only and, thing that you see. And after a couple of weeks, those teams became highly collaborative. Okay. Because we built a, a system of visual management. Yeah. We don't have to call it a Kanban. We just, we just built a system to see what was really happening to show that everybody wasn't an asshole, that my, my, my possession of this ticket did not make me an asshole. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's the exception. It's not the norm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to try to talk a little bit about the course, but I'm assuming this is the kind of stuff people are going to be going deep on or the certification program going yeah. deep on when they're going through that, right? Yeah. So, so our, the reason that it took us a dozen years to do any type of certification is because we've been very wary about the sit for two days and get a piece of paper world. Right. Uh, and, you know, we would do two day courses and we get to the end and people could say, you know, am I, uh, you know, a certified personal Kanban God now, or am I a lean software, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, angel or, or something. And we're like, no, you're a person who came and took a class for a couple of days. <laughs> and probably retained 10% of what you tried to teach them. And, and so, so the, the, but they were, the, but their thing was always two things. One is uh, I would like something to, you know, it, just like if this was a university, I would like yeah. a diploma to show that I actually care about my own professional growth. Right. That's valid. Uh, or I need to go back and show this to my boss so that my boss will actually reimburse me for coming to this class. Also valid. Okay. Uh, I need to have this piece of paper so that if I go back and talk to people in my company about this, I'm not just spouting off about something, but I actually kind of have, you know, some talisman. Yeah. Also valid. So we said, okay, what do we not like about what's out there now? And so what we didn't like was they were too fast. They weren't suited for adult learning. Uh, they didn't uh, create collaboration. They generally don't create uh, a community. Okay. So this class lasts, you know, you can, for the certification, you can study at your own pace. For the accreditation, you're part of a cohort that actually walks through together and has uh, some deeper rigor. So what is, if you can maybe explain the difference between the two and is one like in the path to the other, that was the thing I couldn't quite understand. Okay. So no, they're, they're, they're both covering the same material. Okay. But, but the level of interaction between the two is different. Okay. So the certification, you can do it at your own pace. It takes at least four months. So once you start one of the four segments, you have to wait a month to finish it. So you can't go oh, in wow. and binge watch, binge watch 140 videos in, a, in three days and then get your certification. And you can't. I, I took a course like this and I batched it. I spent like a weekend. I watched all the videos in one weekend. Then I did all the quizzes in one weekend. And, and it <laughs> yeah, wasn't so, really the best way to learn. <laughs> I, yeah, we would we would uh, we would we would uh, we would counsel you if uh, if if you did if you did that. So what we do initially is there are four segments of the class. Okay. One is seeing a system, which is basically the basics of visualization. The second is sharing the system, which is how do you communicate with others? How do you use the systems that you're creating to, huh. to 
work together to collaborate. Okay. Uh, building the system. What are the tools and procedures you can use to find out what you're doing now? What the okay. gaps are between what you're doing now and where you actually want to be, where the gaps might be in communication between you and other teams or your customers. Yeah. And then how to fold that into how you work every day. Okay. So not like a typical retrospective or Kaizen event where you come up with a bunch of good ideas and then you go back to work, <laughs> but that this is actually part of the regular process of working, that okay. you're always, always improving, always building and creating a better system. And then the fourth is, um, is powering the system. Uh, how can we have better meetings, better working sessions, come to consensus, make better decisions? How do we deal with variation? How do we understand the role, the, the temporal nature of standard work? Yeah. And like build our Kanban for now, but then get an idea of when it's getting old. Okay. Um, and, uh, or whatever visualization. Uh, and so the, the, the certificate, you are part of an initial cohort of about probably 150 people. Okay. And you will see other people's work as they're doing it in the feeds. So, you so this is a very well. social system. Uh, right now, I'll actually, I can't share the system for the, oh, you've disabled screen sharing. Have I? I didn't yeah. mean to do that. I don't even know how I did that. Probably because I'm recording. Maybe. Um, so, so we have a very social platform. And so, you know, the work that we're doing will be both reviewed by, you know, uh, us, but then also peer reviewed. So you okay. learn from others, you have conversations with others, you move forward with others. And um, in the certification, that is a, is a very social atmosphere, but it's a very, very open atmosphere. Okay. With the accreditation, it's going to be just these 12 to 18 people that you are with, and you're going to build probably pretty strong relationships between okay. them and you. So you're all kind of rising together. Yeah, yeah. So, and, so and you meet with us uh, frequently. You know, okay. so it's a little bit, it's, it's much more time intensive. So the certification is do what you want when you want. The accreditation is we have these deliverables. We're going to meet on these days. You're going to help other people in these ways, you know, those types of things. Okay. So when I, when I'm asking this as an, I'm honestly asking this question. I think about the certification. I think about people like me, people that are fans of your work. I assume that I'm a target customer, people that are deeply invested in, advancing their skills in their career um who know who you are i mean they'll flock to this anyway mm -hmm. for somebody who's looking around like you know people that need jobs people that are trying to get their next gig um one of the questions i would expect they'd be asking is like well how will this help me and since it's a new certification it's not like hr departments are going to be demanding it exactly but but what what would you say like if somebody was hiring someone with this certification what makes them different than the other people out there? If someone has this certification or this accreditation, they will have, I don't want to put this, the ability to see systems 
clearly. This is uh, in some ways like uh, like selling, you know, why is existence important in, in one sentence? <laughs> well, I know, but, but so when I hear but, you say the word clearly, I, I yep. hear that word in a different way than I hear, like I can see clearly through the glass. There's mm -hmm. people that can see things in a way that is kind of penetrating. Yep. And they can understand them on multiple levels and yep. understand how the parts are woven together. Like when you talk about seeing the system, that's not just like a one-dimensional thing. That's layers and people and all the other moving parts and being able to tease out mm -hmm. these are the things that we should be messing with to make so it better. So the, uh, the golden rule of the Agile Manifesto is individuals and interactions uh, over processes and tools. And uh, my version of that is individuals and interactions over, or I mean, sorry, through processes and tools. Okay. Uh, so when individuals interact, that is a process. And our major failing has been that we view process as Scrum or Kanban method or, you know, DAD or RUP or something. Right. Uh, but that's not, that's not a process. That's that's a mechanism that you can use while operating your process, but your real process is the social contract that you have or that you've been thrust into with your colleagues in your team, in other teams, et cetera. In this class, we tease out ways to see those particular interactions of those individuals and those groups of individuals we are able to describe them as a process that right. sometimes benefits from the use of tools. Okay. And once you get there, it is a lot easier to do the things that we always wanted to do in Agile, which is provide awesome work fast, have a better understanding of what the customer wants, yeah. interact better with other, with other teams, grow as individuals, you know, all, all those good things. If you, if you don't do that and you just assume that following a couple of rote rules is going to get you there, you might get the job <laughs> because you have like the other right. certification, but you won't actually be able to put it to work because you're just going to be running in and it's going to be like a blunt instrument that you're beating somebody over the head with rather yeah. than something that you can apply where, where it's necessary. Okay. And, and it's that, that human thing, that professional thing that we're going for is what are the practical ways that we can see what all of the professionals need, regardless of where they are in the management continuum, in the buyer seller continuum, wherever that might be, the onboarding continuum. How can we see what those human needs are and make sure that those needs are met because that is the definition of quality. Yeah. Okay. So you said something in the beginning of that, that really like, I don't know, it was kind of like getting smack in the face. Um, you <laughs> mentioned the social contract and that kind of started me down this thing where I'm thinking it's not about individuals. It's about the social structure and the relationships. And then I started thinking about different ways of trying to, kind of make that simpler and I'm thinking about um, 
that Miles Davis quote about jazz being social music, because it's not just people playing notes, it's people playing notes together, creating something that will never be created again, because mm -hmm. it will never be in that moment again, and how the interplay between the people and being able to hear what someone else is doing and knowing where it's going to go and what you can do to be a part of contributing to that. I mean, mm -hmm. that sounds to me like a parallel to what you're describing with being able to see the system. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, it's like, if you're jamming, right. You know, if you're improvising with other musicians, your feedback loops can't come every morning. Right. So when, uh, when Tony Ann and I wrote this, um, we got on Skype every day. We wrote in Google Docs. We often wrote in the same paragraph at the same time. So I would like, be editing these words and she'd be editing the words like in the, in the sentence, like, or I'd be editing the words and she'd be like editing right what I edited right behind me, yeah. like she's like chasing me down a hallway. But, but the feedback was, you couldn't get any more immediate than that. Right. And while that sounds like something that would work great with two people and maybe it doesn't scale, we did that with, uh, with 12 people at the World Bank writing a report for the World Bank. And we did that with 23 people in Vietnam writing the human development report in, three, in Vietnam. Okay. Um, so pairing, mobbing, um, those those two things alone are like they're the reason why agile exists all of the other stuff is window dressing pairing and pairing and mobbing and and effective stand-up meetings and maybe 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 retrospectives <laughs> uh but um the act of actually coming together in what is usually an incredibly solo task yeah and sharing the output of that only results in better code that is more cleanly written. That's its only output. Yeah. And so you're getting the people to become a system in how they're interacting and playing or writing or doing whatever they're creating together. But you're yeah. also thinking about the system in which they're working, the physical environment, the tools that they're using, the other things that are constraining them and looking at all those things together. There, so from the from the management side, I can I can say it like this: If you are expecting the people that work for you to perform, and you haven't taken the time to create a system that not only allows, but but makes it easy for them to perform, right? Then you are flushing money down the toilet. You're going to lose good people. You're going to frustrate your team. You're going to spend a lot of your time and their time yelling at each other. Yeah. And if you just sat down at the beginning and said, what do these professionals need to do a really good job? What information do they need? How do they need to talk to each other? How do they need, how do, how do they need, you know, what level of understanding do they need of corporate vision, corporate goals, section vision, section goals, project vision, project goals, you know, how dialed into that do they need to be? And uh, can you build a system where they can't help but but succeed? Yeah. Well, I think it's almost like sinful the other way because you're not just throwing money down the drain. You're wasting people's lives and their abilities and their capacity to make the world a better place. Bingo.
Which like when you when you they, oh that's why he got so emotional on that other thing. Like now I'm like, oh damn, I get this. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, wow. we hurt people every day at work. Yeah. We send them home stressed. We make them gain weight, eat poorly, com- you know, contemplate hurting themselves or others. And and we do that simply because we're not paying attention and because we think that paying attention is additional work. Yeah. And then we're surprised when they don't perform well. Yeah, you're asking them to do a job and not giving them what they need to. Wow, okay. Yeah. Damn, all right. Um. <laughs> so that's that's what you would get. And, and um, you know, when you said the thing about people would come to this class because they were already fans, one of the things that we thought that we were doing, hopefully that we're doing with the four-month thing, is, yeah. is that's kind of a natural barrier for entry. Yeah. If people want to just come in and get something quick and check out again, that isn't for them. The subscription to Modus Institute where you can take individual classes and get certificates of completion, that you can do super quickly and it's actually pretty cheap. But the certification and the accreditation, that we want it to be something special. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's good too, because I mean, having just taken a, a thing similar to that, it required a level of engagement. I was like, oh God, if I'd have known that going in, I would have taken the two day one. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to sign up for something knowing it's going to take four months, I'm going to make sure it's something that I am fully able to commit myself to. Right. Um, and, and again, the, the certification could take a year if you want it to. Okay. It just has to take a minimum of four months. Okay. This yeah, they're cool. just So the, the way that adults learn <laughs> is you get some information, you go, oh, that's interesting. And then you kind of forget it. <laughs> right. And then later on something happens and you're like, oh crap, that. <laughs> and so what we're trying to do is provide enough time for that cycle to happen for, for most of the students. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is, uh, is give a little bit of a gap for you to, to to soak in what you've learned and see how other people have uh operationalized it and okay. then figure out how it might work for you. Cool. All right, so I'm going to, since it's video, I will have been running the little tags on the bottom of the screen to show people where they can go to get awesome. more about this. So, so I wanna, right now for the big launch, it's both of those are $750 off. So it's a pretty, pretty good chunk deal, of change. Yeah. Go to the site, you will find the, the, the coupon code there for it. All right, and I'll make sure I have that on the screen as well. Now, I want to ask you a question that's pandemic focused and personal okay. Kanban focused. Um, I've noticed that there's been like weird little shifts in how I work and how I manage my stuff. And it's taught me some interesting things that I need to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering for you, I mean, you're, you're like the, the Gandalf of personal Kanban. Um, <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> so I'm wondering what it's taught you being home with the pandemic. I mean, has it changed anything for you? Have you, discovered new things about how you work or how you need to work or how you use these tools? Well, so the, 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 the quick and easy answer is since starting to do all of this over 12 years ago, um, I guess now 14 years ago, um, I've never stopped discovering new stuff. Okay. The radical alteration of my lifestyle in uh, as of February 24th, 2020, 
<laughs> which is when I last stepped off of a plane as okay. someone who would be usually on eight to 10 flights a month um, has been extreme. Being able to grill, to cook, to, to make music has been a godsend. I desperately miss other people making food for them, eating food with them. Yeah, you're just big. So if you're, if you're not familiar with Jim's really into food. <laughs> um, it's, it's the thing I, I have, I've had beautiful meals on every continent. That's not, except for the one that's mostly penguins and uh, with wonderful people and just constant surprises. And that level of surprise has always been equal to the level of surprise that I find when I work with people in their offices and they do wonderful things there. Okay. So for us, some of the biggest shifts have been, um, how do we convey to the people that we're working with, like right. clients and students and so forth, how do we convey levity, seriousness, personality and things like that when we've suddenly become two-dimensional i think it's supposed to be the books that you put behind you in your zoom window that's right that's right so most of the books i have back there are pogo books well, so, the only one i can see is the that's the march gravic novel right oh yeah yeah it is yeah, yeah that's the the next on the to read uh shelf um but uh um yeah so at the currently on the to read shelf is the most recent version of uh of, of Pogo. So I think that's Pogo, Pogo volume six. Um, but I, we've launched, obviously these certifications have been a pretty significant endeavor. Yeah. We have a piece of software that we're creating that's called Endeavor. People can find it at endeavorhub.com, which is all about how to make collaborative decisions. Huh. Um, we've, we were in the process of just finishing up a book on collaborative management. Okay. Uh, and so there have been some big things floating along that have coincided with actually two very large consulting engagements that we've had. Okay. So on the wall over here, which unfortunately there's a monitor and stage lighting that blocks it from being seen, but I have, and this will scare people, <laughs> I have six different boards six different kanban boards okay yeah and We're gonna so have, one of i have them, questions about this now yes. but go ahead so one of them is and they're all if you want to go in the david allen route they're all someday maybe boards okay uh so one of them is household projects so i have been fixing the hell out of this highly neglected house okay. <laughs> for for the last nine months. And so that's involved a lot of different activities. And so those have their own value stream that are completely outside of working hours or that involve other people not involved in modus cooperandi. Okay. There's another board that is every time I come up with a new video that should go on Modus Institute, you know, uh, about whatever, it goes up on the board over there. There's now there's now 72 post-it notes in that particular backlog. How is the lean part of your brain not freaking <laughs> out having a total conniption over because, this? Because, because I face this direction. Oh. 
literally awesome. either face this direction or this direction <laughs> and so behind here there is a standard ready doing done kanban and then the team of course the software team has a board in asana uh the modus cooperandi team has a board in trello uh but those boards handle those particular work streams yeah this board handles just my tasks so and um i very rarely venture towards those boards until I need to populate this with something. Okay. So this seems um, really bizarre to me from like a, I, I had, there's a guy named Scott Belwire who I, we had a conversation about his six boards one time. And I'm like, what the hell? Because to me, when I think about what I know of Lean, which granted it's sophomoric at best, um, that seems like way too many things to look at. And what I know of you and your thing about cognitive load, just, maintaining all that isn't that like the opposite of what you'd want to do let me let me point let me do it this way um if i have to drive from here to the donut shop in downtown portland right um i am initially going to look at a map that just shows me a block for my house a block for the donut shop and then a long red line that just runs down I five and then gets off, you know, uh, you know, uh, in in downtown Portland, okay, Burnside. And um, I, as I get closer to Portland, the map is going to zoom in. Yeah, this is what absolutely no Kanban tool people get. Right is that what I have over here are boards of different granularity. Okay. And that when I look at that, that, what I'm doing is I'm zooming in and out of different features or different parts of that journey. So this okay. board is zoomed all the way in. This is actually showing me the traffic conditions, right you now. know, on Stark. Yeah. Uh, and, and saying, you know, you probably want to park here. Those boards over there are saying things like, you know, you're passing by Centralia, Washington now. Okay. And so that's what we don't have right now is that ability to pinch zoom our work. Like Prezient. Yes. So the, when you say to things like, does a developer need to know these things? Yes, they do. But our job is to make sure that, that obtaining that information is that easy. It's wow. as easy okay. as being able to pinch zoom on a map. And that topographic view of work is something that we have not been able to create. If any VCs are listening, I would be more than happy to help you start that company. <laughs> and, and so just, just so people are not, you're not talking about like nested things because you still can't look at all that together anyway. No, no, you can't. Right, you do the zoom, no. pinch in and out in and out whenever yep. you need to with different so things. i would never go and look at that part of the room as an entire wall okay i would say things like i have uh two afternoons that are unaccounted for this week i should get two of those those videos out of that backlog and then i'll go over and study it for a few minutes and i'll be like okay well this one on decision making would be a good idea and this one on availability heuristic would be a good idea okay. and i'll grab those plop them up on here and then they just become part of the backlog 
What's interesting to me is there is you were like, I have two afternoons with, I should go find something to do in those afternoons where for me, if I have an afternoon, I should take a nap. <laughs> well, so I, I have a, I have an interesting situation now where I'm transfer trans, you know, I'm moving from being a, all consulting and traveling around to actually kind of being a product and service provider. Okay. So I have a bit of my SLA that says things like every week on Modus Institute, at least one new video or, or, or oh, post okay. gym is going to appear. Okay. And so that, that becomes that backlog. But if I moved that over here, then that would be the, other the noise stuff. that you're worried about. Wow. Okay. So that's, that to me is a really interesting thing. So the system that you're working with is this room that you're in and there's different aspects of the room where you visualize the work yep. and it's okay. So just in my head, I'm thinking of like my to-do apps that I, like I use Trello where I have my desktop and you've now made a three-dimensional yeah. model of that. Yep. That's really cool. And, and one of the big things about that is the, you know, that, volume of potential videos yeah is going to drive some sort of behavior in me and it could be flight it could be like jesus christ yeah <laughs> and I run away or the grinding guilt but, of oh my god there's so many things up there i gotta get something yeah, done that's right there's so much wisdom in my head <laughs> well then it's, then it's a push system instead of a pull system isn't it I well, mean, so what matter, it is but... now is that is that uh, no, all of those no, it's a very very slow pull system. Okay. So all of those things came from like questions that people asked during classes or during presentations or during consulting gigs, okay. or you know some you know in some way or another those tickets have been requested by the by by I don't know the cloud if you will. Okay. And uh, so now I can go over and I can also do things like this where one ticket will go up there and it will be to do a certain thing and I'll go back and look at it and like, I don't want to do that. And then two or three more will appear and all of a sudden those will become the scope of work for a video. Okay. You know, this alone was important, but not interesting. Yeah. This was important, but not interesting. This was important, not interesting. Together. Together. Narrative. Okay. Cool. Yeah. This was awesome. Um, I appreciate you taking time out for this. And I, I just want to give a shout out to the folks that are watching this. That you should go find Jim's music on SoundCloud because it's kind of oh, no, yes. very I'm, cool. I'm entirely sure that's an, that's an appropriate thing for you to do. <laughs> well, to me, it's interesting. I mean, that, that you're doing that, 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 that you're having the time to do that. And that, that I think there's a lot of people home. I got sent an article yesterday that said Fender Guitars. I said like their best year ever since yep. the pandemic because everybody's yep. home playing music. And I think for those of us who do knowledge work, being able to create something that is not work, that is yep. just pure, whatever less left in us is a very kind of energizing and empowering thing. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. No, it is. And you're it, brave enough to share it, which is good on you. Yeah. <laughs> the rest I mean, of the side in our closets. Before, I mean, it's, it's always up. Yeah. Uh, there's always something up on the screen in some way I can either turn and make music there or turn over here and make music here. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's really been a good airing out of the soul, if you will. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you're doing well. And I appreciate you taking time out for this. Everybody who's watching, you should go take a look at the certification program because it's definitely yes, please a very do. good investment in yourself and the universe. 
make the world better. <laughs> so, all right, Jim, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Dave. If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you need. My job's to make that switch from old to new. Sunglasses.